All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome in to a June 6th edition of Daily Faceoff Live, brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at Botano.ca. And boy, the game last night, Mike, was certainly something. We're going to get into that and more live on the Daily Faceoff YouTube. I'm Tyler Yarmdrake. He's former NHL goaltender Mike McKenna. And uh, I don't know, Mike, this Stanley Cup final, it's, it's been a spicy one, which is good. Yeah, it has. I'm just, I'm all fired up, man. Like, I just can't believe some of the reaction to last night. Like, dude, the Panthers got waxed by the Golden Knights and it's been mm-hmm. two straight games and there's still people in this world that think like the refs are out to get them. You know, I think this has been handed to the Golden Knights. Are you crazy? It's been a shit kicking for two straight games, people. Well, let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and dig into that Stanley Cup final. And Mike, I'm going to tee you up with one line. Don't shoot the messenger, but I want your reaction to it. Bobrovsky sucks. No, no. like what's happening here is he doesn't have a team that's playing any defense in front of him. All right. It did not matter last night who was in the crease for the Florida Panthers. You saw it when Bob got yanked. Alex Lyon goes in. He still had two sick windmill glove saves on top of the three goals that he allowed. It just kept coming from the Golden Knights. And and I'll say this about Bob, though. I didn't like the first goal last night. Yes, the first three were all screens. He looked on the wrong side of Mark Stone, who did provide the screen in front, Golden Knights player. He looked to the inside. Bobrovsky should have been looking to the outside where Marcia So was shooting from. But the next two goals, he has his own Florida Panthers players cross in front of him, take away his eyes, just like they did in game one 
The Panthers are not thinking. They're not helping. I'm watching Eric Ekblad. I'm watching Maher. I'm watching them run all around, pinch up ice, let odd man rushes, abandon the front of the net. I will say this about Bob, though. I do think he's been a little bit impatient on his edges. I think he needs to beat pucks on his feet so that he can be better. But if anybody is going to lay this strictly on the goaltending of the Florida Panthers, you don't know anything about goaltending and probably less about hockey. I'm sorry, man. This is a whole team collapse from the Panthers that we've seen so far. If there's one word I could use to describe the Florida Panthers, it would be scrambly in every aspect. You mentioned the pinches, like just so many of these odd man, three on two, two on one looks for the Vegas Golden Knights and also scrambly after the whistles. It feels like the whistle goes and and they're just so frantic to want to go fight and be the bully and, and court, sort of you know, establish that side of things in the cup final. But the problem is it's coming when they're so far out of the game. I mean, yeah, sure. Matt Kachuk got his big lick on Jack Eichel in the middle of the ice, and it was a great electric hit and all that. But then Eichel's able to bounce back and, and come back in the game, score a goal. So I don't know. It just feels like Florida, and maybe it was the time off, just gave them too much time to get amped up for this thing. But their head's just not in the right spot here, Mike. Well, and the Panthers have finally faced a team that's just not going to deal with this, man. Like, Eichel gets absolutely lasered here. Like, lasered. And and in all honesty, I think this was the one instance where the Golden Knights probably should have come out on the worst and they initiated everything retaliatory afterwards. But besides this play, it's been all Florida trying to muck it up and it's gone to the detriment of that team. Like, they haven't been thinking. They haven't been communicating. They look completely unfocused, whereas Vegas... Their eyes are on the prize here, man. They're led by guys like Petrangelo, Martinez that have won cups that know what they're doing. And even like, look at, look at the work of Jack Eichel after he takes that hit to go down the ice, steal a puck, go the other way and get it to Marcia. So in the slot, like look at Jack Eichel here, he's flying with the puck. He gets it in deep. He out muscles a Florida Panthers player. He wins that board battle, draws the defender to the, to the corner, gives it to Marcia. So you never saw this out of Jack Eichel very often in Buffalo, man. Like, this is the vibe that's going on with the Golden Knights, and Florida's having a hell of a time trying to counteract that. Before we move along, uh, was did someone on the show give a little Jonathan Marchessault Con Smythe pick? I think he's looking pretty good. Uh, yeah, uh, listen, they're still, <laughs> they got to win two games before that could possibly happen, but uh, it, it, if he wins it, I'm going to be really mad at myself for for not being a big gambler because that would have been a smart bet on my behalf. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like 10 to 1 or something like that at the start of the series. Let's take a look maybe ahead now in this series a bit and both what can Florida change and maybe what can't they change. But first, mm-hmm. I want to get your thoughts on between the pipes. I mean, Sergei Bobrovsky obviously pulled. That always brings up the question of do you make a change in net heading back home to Game 3? Alex Lyons started the first handful of games for this Panthers team in the playoff run. Uh, would you make a goalie change if you were Paul Maurice? No, I think you go right back to Bob. A little bit of help in front of him, and again, a little retro, like a little retrospective work on Bob's part is going to uncover some of those things. Like I just said, just being more patient on your edges and beating shots. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know, you look at Hill's play, and I'm not taking anything away from him. He's been awesome. But you do have to look at the offense of these two teams and why they're scoring. Like, let's take a quick look at here where the Vegas Golden Knights put their shots in Game Two, and you're going to find. Look at where they're placed, Tyler. Up high, right? More than half their shots. Where are their goals? Top half of the net. Like, look at the dispersion of that. Now, let's flip this over and take a look at where the Florida Panthers are chucking pucks. You think Aiden Hill's going to have a tough night here when the great majority of his shots are all at those big six-foot-four legs of his? It doesn't matter if it's from the slot. It doesn't matter if it's a rebound chance. If you don't put it in the air on that guy, you're in deep trouble, man. 
And like even the big glove saves he's making were mid-level shots, dude. It's just picking cherries for him when he's reading it like that. So um, I think the goaltending from especially like Hill's been just rock solid, but his team's also given him all that help through Cassidy's system. And frankly, through the Florida Panthers, not bearing down and making the most of their chances. Yeah, basically nothing at that sort of crossbar level or up in those top corners, which I mean, yeah, they need, absolutely need to get better looks. Is it also maybe a comment on just how quickly Vegas is taking away these looks as well? For sure. They're not giving that time and space. And when even the plays in tight on any rebounds, you know, they're getting a little bit of stick involved. So they're just the Panthers are trying to fuddle at the net. So to me, Florida's look shell shock. Maurice says it's about defending the rush, dude. It's about staying out of the box first and foremost. And it's about protecting middle of the ice. So you combine all those things and Florida will have a chance back on home ice. Yeah, they'll, they'll certainly have a chance, and I'm sure going home will be a nice boost for them. We had Tony in the YouTube chat asking for the main reasons why the Panthers are choking, and you outlined you know, the quality of chances and things like that. You know, If they were losing these games by one or two goals, Mike, I'd be sitting here and going, hey, the discipline, the quality of shots, not being able to defend off the rush and prevent high-quality rush chances, the goaltending, like maybe five or six reasons why they're losing these games, but they're getting blown out. Like It won't be enough to just solve one or two of these issues. Like They're going to have to really, really turn things around and do almost a complete 180 in Game 3. Yeah, and the last point on this, too, is that Vegas' power play is coming alive here. They were two for four mm-hmm. last night. Florida hasn't gotten any juice out of theirs at all, and that's an area that they should. So stay focused for Florida. But Vegas, man, they just got to keep doing what they're doing. Shift gears to some off-season talk. Yesterday, we saw the big eight-year extension for Cole Caulfield in Montreal, and that brings up a question about the other RFAs that are on the market. And we'll take a look here at the top five forward RFAs that we have for this summer. Alex Dabrinkit, the oldest at age 25. I'll ask you one about him, but when you look at the rest of this list, and maybe the guys who are looking for a long-term extension, the Zegers, Brat, Meyer kind of group here. Is there one that you think could get more than Cole Caulfield? Or is Caulfield going to be sort of the outer marker for these guys? I think Timo Meyer is going to be the guy you look to. And it's interesting because the Devils have two people on this list between Brat and Meyer. And could they possibly keep both in-house? Is it going to turn into either or? Because, I mean, Jesper Bratz had two really strong years in a row. His goal production went up to 32 snipes last year. Is he going to be an $8 million guy? Like, it's it's mm-hmm. worth asking that. I'm not sure if he will or not, but it's going to be damn close. Timo Meyer to me, with 40 goals last year and the way he plays, as physical as he is, he's going to be every bit of eight. He's probably going to be over nine. Like his number is probably nine million bucks for Timo Meyer, especially yeah. considering he's got a $10 million qualifying offer to that could sit for one season. So I think Meyer's going to be the big ticket. Um, I'm curious to see even like Vince Dunn, I think could be above Cole Caulfield. He's not on our list, but he's your top D who's available that short term deals, probably over 8 million bucks longer term. Maybe he's underneath it. So I tell you, Tyler, Brad is the one I've really got my eye on to see what happens here again, because of that dynamic with if the, if the devils can be able to keep Brad and Meyer, that'd be awesome to see. But Brad only has a 5.45 qualifying offer. You know, he scored 32 times this year. (sighs) Boy, there'd be a lot of trade value on him. So I'm curious to see what Tom Fitzgerald does. Yeah, I mean, you they do have enough money to probably sign both of those guys when you look at, you know, 34.5 million, 34.2 million dollars in cap space this summer. But with Hughes at eight, Heeshire at seven, just over seven, I should say. And the long term of it, you know? Yeah, right. Long term of it. Dougie Hamilton's long term at nine as well. And then you have your six RFAs this summer. Like, is it smart for the Devils to commit, you know, two more big seven, eight million dollar plus contracts to forwards or 
do they bite the bullet and maybe move a guy like Jesper Brad? That that's a big story this offseason. Let me ask you yeah. about Alex Debrinkat as well. We got some reports from varying outlets yesterday. Bruce Garriock, Elliot Friedman, among them that. You know, the senators are exploring trade possibilities and maybe Debrinkat isn't very open to signing a long-term deal in Canada's capital. Uh, any fits out there you see? Is there a team that should be knocking on the door and giving Pierre Dorian a call for Debrinkat? Well, it's tough. I just keep thinking about Debrinkat. Do teams really know what they're getting with him? He's performed admirably before and been able to score 40 in the league, 30 in the league. But last year was a really down season on a team that's pretty offensive, which was surprising to see. So, you know, fit-wise on Debrinkit, I'm not sure where he would go as a landing spot. I think the big question is who's willing to keep him long-term on a deal that I think is probably going to be overvalued. Like, I'd be very worried about signing Debrinkit to a long-term deal. So if I'm going to go for a flyer on him for maybe a year or two years or three, if I could get him on that, man, I'd take him in real quickly. But I'm not going seven or eight with him. And if you're doing a a trade on Debrinkit, why would you trade for him if you didn't have assurances you would get to keep him into the future? Yeah. So that's going to be a delicate balance, I think, for Dorian or any team that's interested in him. Yeah, he's heading into that last year of RFA eligibility. You know, if they can make the money work, I wonder about Buffalo. We keep hearing about them mm-hmm. maybe wanting to add a, another layer of scoring depth there. But again, do they want to commit long-term eight, nine million bucks to a guy who only scored 27 goals last season. I wonder about St. Louis. They got a bunch of draft picks, Mike, and and maybe that's a spot where, again, you want to replace a little bit of what you lost and guys like Tarasenko and O'Reilly, not saying that they're direct comparables, right? But those guys were moving out of their primes. You're trying to do this little retool rebuild on the fly. Maybe a young piece like Debrinka, you use one of your extra first for them. Those are kind of a few of the teams that jump off the page to me. But I'm also curious to see if Ottawa will be able to recoup what they spent. They give up a first, a second, and a third on this guy. Yeah, I know. I mean, I even wonder if the Rangers get in the mix here, man. Like they bucked up to go grab Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko. Neither of those guys are coming back. I could see Debrinket sliding in on the right side there as well. Yeah, that is an interesting one. Uh, let's stay in the New York area for our offseason preview today and zero in on the New York Islanders, a fascinating team when you look at the way this roster is constructed. Just taking a peek at their cap-friendly page, Mike, they have seven forwards that make $5 million or more, and pretty much all of them are signed for multiple years, yet the big issue with this team, you sit there and go, They need to get more electric offensively. They need to get more dynamic in the offensive zone. They need to score more. And I go, you have seven forwards making $5 million or more. How many bad bets have you made where still you commit all that money, all that term, and your biggest issue is still scoring. They're also facing quite an interesting cap crunch this offseason as well. They only have $5.3 million in projected cap space. You need to get a backup with Varlamov's contract up. Oliver Wolstrom, Scott Mayfield, one's an RFA, Mayfield's a UFA. You at least need to replace those guys if you're not bringing them back in the Mm -hmm. case of Mayfield. Lou's got his work cut out for him because, again, this roster is currently constructed is not good enough to go on a deep run. Well, you know what? Lou's lucky that he's got a bunch of guys that really work, Tyler. Yeah, This is a team that they do. They work their ass off. They play hard defensively. They've gotten and they've got a world class goaltender in Ilya Sorokin. Uh, But keep in mind. You're going to have to pay Sorokin double what he's making now easily after this season's up, man. He's going to be UFA in 24-25. He's making four mil this year. He's going to be an eight or nine million dollar goalie because he might be the best one on earth. This roster, this this construction against the cap, the salaries that are on it, the number of no trade clauses, no movement clauses. This is a huge mess. This is a contractual mess. 
and they've got to create flexibility. This this feels ripe to me for Lou to take a big swing and make a trade this summer. The problem is he hasn't done it in so long, and I'm not sure if that's really it's in him. Like he did it for Horvat, but that's a deadline piece. Mm-hmm. Is he willing to move on from Josh Bailey? Five million bucks for twenty something, you know, twenty thirty points like that. That contract's got to go, you know. And he's not alone. And they still have to sign a top four defender because Mayfield. I think he's going to walk. He's been way too under me. One point four five million bucks for what he brings to a team. He's out the door. He's been undervalued for too long. It's time to get paid. So they're going to need a big time defenseman, and they still need another goaltender to go with Sorokin. And I think they're going to have to dumpster dive on that one because you're not going to have Varlamov come back for anything less than three or four million dollars at the very minimum I just because Sorokin he's I view him I have this image of him as a young up-and-coming goalie still even though he's been dynamic for so many years I forget he's heading into his age 28 season because he spent so much time in Russia a UFA next summer for Ilya Sorokin like you need to almost take a look at that this year I'm sure Sorokin's very open to signing there but like if you can't get that done I'd be scared shitless of letting that guy potentially walk through next season not sign to an extension we're talking about the importance of the Leafs getting Austin Matthews locked up this summer and he's an RFA this deal for Sorokin could define that franchise in Long Island because you don't come across goalies like this. They're a lottery they team to. if they don't have him. <laughs> yes, dude. Like they were that guy saved their ass last year. So Lou's got his workout work cut out for him. He's created the mess. Again, it's very similar to what happened to his the end of his time uh in New Jersey. So he's gonna have to reinvent himself and that roster. Oh, interesting stuff. We got a question in there, you know, could Horvat and Barzell bounce back next season? I think, yeah, like, I mean, Horvat scored 30 plus goals. I know he wasn't great once he got to the island, but I mean, those two could bounce back. I'm still not convinced that's enough. Lou's got to do some roster reconstruction here, I think is the point, Mike. Yeah, for sure. I agree. And I I don't mind having Barzell. I think Barzell's deal was an overpay at nine plus, but uh, Barzell, Horvat, sure. But that middle, that murky middle, all those $5 million contracts, no trade clauses, those are just bad deals, a lot of them. They got to go, but I don't know how. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk a little NHL draft with the next wave and Stephen Ellis. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. It's a pleasure to welcome Stephen Ellis into the program for the next wave. Brought to you by UFC 289 coming up this Saturday, June 10th in Vancouver at the Rogers Arena and in your living room with the pay-per-view broadcast. Stephen, let's talk goalies in today's edition of the next wave. And I want to start at the top. Give me your top three netminders for the class of 2023. Well, let's start off by there's no true number one goalie this year in the draft. There's no guy that stands out. There's no you know, Spencer Knight. There's no guys like that. But the one that I'm keeping an eye on is Michael Harabai uh, from Omaha, the USHL. Um, originally told me he'd be going back to the USHL next year, but it looks like he's actually going to go to Massachusetts and in the NCAA. And, you know, with six foot six, he's got incredible athleticism, perfect size. You know, this is a guy you can really get excited about. And, you know, his stats aren't anything special, but his record when he faced is 35 shots or more is pretty positive and he he tends to face a lot of shots to begin with so um you know look at the numbers there nothing special but he did a lot of the heavy lifting this year and, uh, and the fact that he's that big uh and he's got a couple of years in the ncaa uh is a good sign I mean, it's actually uh you know there's a good thing where a lot of the goalies in this draft are going to be going to the ncaa to to, to get some more experience and that includes trey augustine you know his numbers he had a 31 and 2 record at all levels this year at all competition like that's unbelievable 0.926 a percentage that's one of the best performances we've ever seen from um, a U.S. national development team goalie. And, you know, he's not a big goalie by any means. He actually says that UC Soros is a big um, player that he looks up to. And that's kind of something that's become a trend where a lot of smaller goalies are saying, like, UC Soros, UC Soros, UC Soros. And that's a guy that a lot look up to. It used to be for a bit, it was like Jonathan Quick. But now, you know, with the way that Soros is still very you know grounded in his net, and you could kind of see that in Augustine, the way he plays. Uh, another one there, Carson Bjarnason, uh, a bit bigger, um, played for Canada at the U18 World Championships. Got to talk about how rough of a tournament that was for him. First game, he allows, I think it was like f- like five goals on like eight shots or something like that. It was a terrible start. Gets pulled. He ends up getting a cushion to end the tournament later on. But, you know, he's someone that just, you know, has kind of just everything there. He's got decent size. He's very fluid in the net, doesn't waste his movements around the net. He's kind of like a prototypical butterfly goalie. So, you know, he's kind of the safe bet. Uh, again, you look in the WHL, it's really hard to get good numbers. Uh, defense sometimes is uh, not mandatory uh, in that league. But, you know, I think that those three guys are the ones that you could look at and say, you know, Maybe two of them, maybe Rabbi and Augustine are first round picks, but all three of them are definitely got a shot there. I'm going to flip back to a quick story here years ago, and it involves Rick DiPietro, who went first overall in the draft as a goaltender. Now, he was rated pretty highly going into that draft, but he had a massive, massive playoff uh, in the college ranks and talking like a three OT game. And all of a sudden it was like, this guy's can't miss, right? One big game, couple big ones. He was trending way up, Steven. So is there anybody from this draft class, maybe not to that level, like the first overall or first round, but is there anyone who has really upped their value recently? Uh, well, you know, the one for me, you know, they, they, there's a few options here. You know, I look at Adam Gayon as a guy that we, we've we talked about a bunch um, this year um, as someone who went to Slovakia or came out of Slovakia, was not drafted last year, goes out it's kind of the third goalie at the World Juniors to start. And we know kind of what happened from there. He ends up becoming one of the best goalies um, that we see in this entire draft. And, you know, there's a couple questions there. Okay, did he? 
like are people overvaluing him because of the world juniors on one hand yes on another hand i've talked to enough scouts and enough other people that follow prospects that say like he could be the real deal but there's so many questions here still you know the guy that last year was on no one's radar this year shows up around christmas time and now everyone's looking at him he did he played outstanding when he faced 35 40 shots a game uh it, it was just those quieter games that seemed like in the nahl and the ushl he was not as great but you know watching him at that world junior game like that looks like someone who's got NHL talent there. And, you know, he's got size. He's 6'3". I've seen him listed somewhere at 6'4". Um, but he's just, you know, he's very calm, very relaxed in the net. And it's just someone that... I, I There are some scouts that think he's the best goalie in the draft. I disagree. And part of that is we just don't have enough of a work on a book here on him. But he will be going to the to the NCAA. You know, he is a guy that's going to be a bit more of a long term project. But if he goes out there and looks really good against college players, like you know, who knows? I, I think there's a lot of potential there. Last one I got for you, Stephen. Uh, we talked a little bit in the past few weeks about Dustin Wolf and how that was a late round steal by the Flames. So give me this year's version of Dustin Wolf. Who's a guy who's going in the final couple of rounds who you think has some star potential? Well, I've mentioned him before on this show, and it's Damian Clara from uh, Italy. And to my understanding from draft records, it looks like there's been no uh, player actually born in Italy that's ever been drafted. And he's the goalie would be a little more interesting there for sure. This is a guy that this year played as not the starter, but he shared the net with the division one, a world championship team for Italy, which was a team trying to make the top division, you know, for a goalie that's not even drafted yet. Who's only 18. That's pretty impressive, but he also played at the U 18 level, U 20 level, but this guy played everywhere in the Italian system this year, but he also looked good in his two starts in hockey, Elspenskin, which is the second top league in, in, uh, Sweden and he had great numbers in the U20 league on a team that faced a lot of shots and then you know he's six foot six so that helps too he was someone that you know was probably you know uh, I'd say very like tough to make this draft but as the season went on just seeing how he was doing against much stronger competition than I think a lot of other goalies faced over in Europe at that same age and then him being with that size uh, he was pushed up to the sixth best NHL central scouting goalie among Europeans. And that's interesting because that is a total mixed bag every year. You're getting guys like of the top five, a bunch of them are overage players of Clara. He's one of the guys that come in as a fresh face and, and, you know, get size athleticism. He's got everything going for him. So uh, some scouts think he's a top five goalie. I'm thinking that could be the case in a couple of years. Love the insight, as always, Stephen. The next wave brought to you by UFC 289, head, headlined by Nunez versus Aldana. Six Canadians on the card this weekend in Vancouver. You can watch it all on the pay-per-view broadcast. Stephen, thanks for hopping on, man. Thanks, guys. Welcome to our daily face-off inbox question, hashtag AskDFO. We got one in here from our pal Tony who wants to know if Pat, if we view Patrick Waugh as a fit with either the Rangers or the Flames, Mike, do you see that big personality jiving with either of those two markets? No, and, and in fact, I think the Rangers didn't even interview Patrick yeah, Waugh. Yeah, the New York Post between... had a report about that. What it's yeah, I think so. But I, you know, I didn't see it in the first place there. Like I thought Patrick wouldn't be phased by that big spotlight, but that's not the right fit. And man, I still just, with Calgary, they just had a big personality there. Like they, they yeah. it's all signs point to Mitch Love. Like they just, he's their American League head coach. It's been the AHL coach of the year two years straight. You can't let that guy walk. You have to retain him. But if you're going to keep oh, yeah. interviewing guys, I I do appreciate though that you at least maybe get some out, outside looks from people about your franchise mm-hmm. by letting people interview. But don't leave him on the hook, or you're going to lose him. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, one more for you, and it ties into a story you have up right now, dailyfaceoff.com. Uh, what do you see happening with the Toronto Maple Leafs crease before next season? Yeah, great call. Uh, if you go to dailyfaceoff.com, I do have an article that just came out today, and, and I'll give you the long and short of it. Joseph Wool, you're not going to put that guy on waivers to start the year. He's in Toronto, full-time gig. And I think Ilya Samsonov, if you can get him, if you're Brad Tree Living, you get Samsonov on a hopefully a three-year deal or less. I wouldn't go longer for a reasonable cap hit, probably in the four, four and a half range. I think that's your ticket because I liked Samsonov this year. I liked his progression, but I think Joseph Wall is the guy you're looking at there. Don't forget. Joseph Wool and Jake Ottinger, those are teammates at the uh, USNTDP before college. Wool was on a very similar track as Ottinger until he got hurt and COVID slowed him down a little bit. So I think that's the answer. Matt Murray, you make that contract go away somehow, some way. Yeah. LTIR it. If you're going to be, maybe you have some other pieces like Muzzin that are in the LTIR space or attach a pick to it. Let some other team, let some basement team LTIR them, put the contract through insurance. Yeah, get I always need somebody. Court. They always they, need players. They, they always do. Uh, let's move along to our Botano daily bets. The game starts now at Botano.ca. Some series live odds. Uh, they are constantly updating them. And you know what? Call me crazy. I'm not losing faith in this Florida Panthers team. And I think there's some value on the betting market as we take a look at what Botano has for the series. No, not betting on them to win. I think it's a bit too tall of a task. But I think heading home, the Panthers can win a game there and maybe even win game five. You can get them at plus a game and a half in, or sorry, plus two and a half games at close to plus money. And I like that because then all they got to do is force a sixth game. I really do think this Panthers team has a little bit more fight left in them. So you take a look at it, Florida plus two and a half games, minus minus one eighteen. You're almost getting two to one odds on them to force a seventh game or win the series at plus one and a half. But that plus two and a half is just a really good spot. All they got to do is force six. All they got to do is win two games in this series and i think this florida team will be due for a bounce back as they head back on to home ice so there you go mike i i, I think i'm gonna be stubborn you're feeling it and on the panel am i foolish no but I, I think we all just want to get back to vegas for at least game five <laughs> i just i dude it just <laughs> i i think honestly though how does florida not grease one out on home ice I know. like they, they have to like I, I but the way the first two games went I don't feel very confident in it, but I feel like it has to happen. Yeah. Uh, Here's to hoping. Uh, Let's wrap up the show (laughs) with a little bit of garbage time. Mike, what do you got? Man, last night in Vegas, pretty wild scene. And (laughs) I I just want to run this real quick here. It's Samantha Rivera, uh, sports reporter for CBS Miami. Give Give it a look here. Nope, nope, nope. This here's what this here's the layman's terms of this. And it's not being nice. Here's a drunk idiot trying to get on TV. That's what this is. Okay. And this could happen in any market. But what I loved about it, man, I think the Florida Panthers need to learn something from Samantha Rivera. Did you see the way she boxed out that moron? Guys, just obviously buckled. Go nights, guys, screaming. And she just pushes him off, dude. He didn't even get his face on screen. Because and she kept her eyes on the camera. She was great. She was dialed in. She stayed on job, dude. That was sick. So like, first off, great job, Samantha. That's impressive work in the face of like adversity. But second, Panthers. 
take a look. That clip should be up in the locker room this morning. Yeah, that was uh, impressive. Not the only great broadcast moment from yesterday either. We had uh, Connor Bedard throwing a little chirp. Oh, I'll be I mean, that, that was funny. Just up here. Personality. And biz. <laughs> yeah, and biz. Um, and then you had biz and Henrik Lundqvist, like, giggling like school kids, man. When Anson Carter was talking about how to plow a player has, like, oh, he's got the biggest knob on the team. The trainers always know which one's his stick. And biz and Hank are, like, biting their lips, being like, oh, my God, he keeps saying it. That was awesome. Yeah. You guys are another- lucky down in the States because that American broadcast has some awesome personalities. It's so fun, man. There was some fan after the game, even he was beacon biz from the stands and biz just started giving it back to him on air, which was perfect. It was, it was just like the moment where you skate off the ice and a fan's yelling at you is the same way. Yeah. It's where we are lucky, man. The TNT broadcast rules. All right. There you go. That is a wrap on today's edition of daily face off live. As always, we're back tomorrow at noon Eastern time. And as always, it's brought to you by Batano. Shout out to Aaron Bordado, our producer, Mike McKenna and Steven Ellis as well. Everyone on the YouTube, you were awesome. On top of that, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. 